0: Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. And we hope that you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Today we're talking about prioritized romance. Uh, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, romance is an issue I love this teaching because romance is a is a subject almost no one understands. Now, Sometimes women think they do, but they really don't. Uh, I mean, they really don't. And uh, I've been studying this for about 30 years. And when I started studying on what romance is, there's, you know, everybody has their perception. I promise this teaching will tell you what romance is. And also, it's as important to men as to women. When you understand what romance really is, mm-hmm. it is a daily essential for both men and women in marriage. So this this teaching will help you to understand what it is and also help you be Romantic. It's coming up in just a few minutes. But Karen, we have a, some questions from some of our listeners.
1: Yeah. Uh, this one is We have been married for eight years. After having a couple of kids and getting settled into our life together, I feel like things are getting so routine that we have lost the romance we used to have. What can we do to get it back?
0: Well, romance is meeting an unspoken need in your spouse. That's one of the four elements of romance. And what happens when we first meet is we're creative. Um, and we preemptively meet needs. You know, when, you, when you're dating, you're naturally doing the right things when you're dating. You're prioritizing the relationship. You're working at it. And you're creative. And, and the way you fall in love is thinking of things to do that you both enjoy and doing them. And, and there's, there's energy in that. Well, then when you get married and kids come along, what happens is the children many times can wear you out. Mm -hmm. And we we talk a lot about you have to teach your children to respect your marriage. You can't serve your children 24 hours a day and have time for your marriage. You have to teach their children, your children, they are not the center of the universe. You love them dearly. They're going to leave one day. You love them dearly. You meet their needs. You love them. But at a certain time of the evening, 8 o'clock or so, you say, okay, kids, we've spent time with you. Now the mom and dad are going to be together, and we want you to respect that. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the energy to to be creative and to meet one another's needs, it does get routine, and you lose the the you lose the passion, and intimacy of your relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree,
0: that's good. Well, I've got a question here for you. I've told my husband many times that I want help with dishes and house cleaning, but he continues to blow me off. I'm getting bitter, and it's affecting every area of our relationship what can I do to get his attention?
1: (laughs) Well, let's see a shotgun. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) I think that this is a good question, but gosh, it's kind of hard because I don't know the dynamics of their relationship, you know, and so I don't know what's going on around it. But um, I think it's important for men to help. You know, it's honestly this generation, not Yours and I are because we're so old. But the new generation, that you know, that's our, our kids' age, it's kind of cool for the husband to help out. I mean, I've noticed that, you know, uh, our son and then our son-in-law, they both help a lot around the kitchen and with the kids. Yep. And and um, they're very proactive in helping. And, you know, as a couple, you know, we need to remember that we're a team, and that's what helps. That's what helps make a good marriage is remembering you're not on this alone. And that whatever your cu- your spouse is doing or not doing, you know, keep in mind that we need to do it together. That, you know, look, how can I help you out? Even a wife telling her husband, you know, what can I do to help you? You know, she's saying that she wants him to help with the house cleaning, you know, and maybe there's something she can do for him, like cooking or running errands or, you know, being sensitive to each other and, the, and meeting each other's needs. Well, it's,
0: it's called redemptive love, and that means that, that you do the right thing first, and reactive love just means i'm always reacting to you i resent you you're not doing this but redemptive love means i'm going to do for you mm-hmm. what you don't deserve
1: exactly and
0: to to redeem our relationship and the other thing too this uh you know we did a podcast on you know god's perfect plan for marriage and in there i talk about surveys that are done and that uh, men who do housework they they have more sex their their wives are more sexual toward them So she might want her husband to listen to that teaching. She might get a little housework out of him. Okay, so we hope that you enjoyed this. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review. We love hearing from you. And uh, now let's listen to the teaching today on Prioritize Romance. Romance is a very, very misunderstood uh, element, uh, issue it is. I, I looked up, I've been studying this now for 30 years, and I remember the first time I thought, you know, what is romance? And I pulled out a dictionary and I looked up the word romance and it said, see romantic. <laughs> and I looked up the word romantic and it said, see romance. <laughs> I thought, that's the dictionary trick when they don't know the answer. You know They just run you around from word to word in there. Honestly, it was true. And I thought, well, what is the answer? What is romance? Well, I'm gonna give you the definitive answer in this message about what romance is. But here's the scripture in Revelation 2. And this is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do your first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this is a pretty good church now. Jesus begins by complimenting them about a lot of things, but then he gets to the issue of love. Let me say that our relationship with Jesus is about love. It's not about law. It's not about church. It's about love. If it's not about love, it it, it doesn't work. It's about love. And so Jesus is not willing to let this slide. So Jesus comes to the church at Ephesus, a church doing a lot of things right, and he says, well, you're doing a lot of things right, but I do have something against you. You no longer have your passionate first love the way you had before. And if you don't get it back, I'm gonna remove your lampstand. Now, understand this. A lampstand represents light and darkness. The world is a place of darkness. And when a church has a lampstand, the Lord divinely illuminates this church and leads people from darkness into that church. He's, he's, he is advertising for you. He's attracting people for you into your church, okay? So why would God remove the lampstand of a church who is lukewarm? And the reason is because lukewarm Christians are a bad advertisement for a great God. God does not want lukewarm Christians to multiply. God wants passionate Christians to multiply. So when God sees a passionate church, he puts a lampstand in their midst and advertises and draws people there. There's another reason that Jesus isn't okay with someone else having our first love and that is, or or us losing our first love and that is someone else has it. So someone has your first love. Only Jesus deserves our first love. Only Jesus died for us on the cross. Only Jesus has done for us what He has done. He's the only one that deserves it. But understand, if He doesn't have it, a person has it, work has it, uh, you know, something else has it. You take your some something or someone in your life has your first passion, and only Jesus deserves it. Okay. So the laws of physics are these: uh, in the world, in the physical world. Everything is in one of three states. It's either dynamic, static, or entropic. All matter is in one of three states. Dynamic, static, and entropic. To understand this, if you see a flower that's growing, that's dynamic. If you see a flower that's full grown and is no longer growing, that is static. And if you see a flower dying, it's entropic. Okay, so everything is in one of those three states. Any love, any marriage that is not growing is dying. Any relationship that is not growing is dying. That's, if it's not dynamic, it has become static and will become entropic. So what Jesus knows is, and see a lot of people would say, wait, 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 wait now. Isn't it just normal for people to kind of get saved and be on fire and then kind of cool off? Yeah, well, it's normal, but it's not good. Isn't it just normal for people to get married and you have the honeymoon phase, you know, then the honeymoon's over and you just become old married people and you kind of get into the ruts like your mom and dad? Sure, but do you really think that God made marriage to be good for a few years and then terrible after that? Well, that's not not a marriage, that's a sentence. I mean, that's depressing. Did you know that the way that God designed marriage, it gets better every year? The way that God designed marriage, your marriage should be getting every year, it should stay dynamic and never become static or entropic. There's instinctive romance and there's educated romance. Instinctive romance is the romance that we naturally do when we fall in love. You really don't know what you're doing, you're just doing it, okay? And so you're, you're trying to fall in love and I'm gonna teach you here in just a minute, I'm gonna educate you on romance. The better type of romance is educated because instinctive romance, you lose it, but you don't know how you had it in the first place, you don't know how to get it back. But when you learn about romance, this is something that you need in your relationship. So a lot of people, and this is a confusing topic, a lot of people believe that romance is for women and strange men. <laughs> you know, those romantic men. And uh, you go in a bookstore and there's that romance section where they have the Sir hunk books. <laughs> and there's women in there. If you ever see a man in the romance section of a bookstore Don't go in after him, you may not come back out. Uh, Just stand on the edge and look at him. And when he makes eye contact, just go. (laughs) He doesn't belong in there. (laughs) Romance is not for women and strange men. Romance is for every single person. Every person has a need for romance. Some people believe that romance is a feeling you can't control. It is an atmosphere that you create and totally control. It is not a mood. It is something that you totally control. Some people believe it's a seasonal extra, but not a daily feature. It is an essential daily feature in a dynamic marriage. You you need romance, whether you realize it or not, you need romance in your marriage every single single day. So let me give you the four elements of romance. I wanna teach you what romance is. Because it is difficult to understand if you, don't, if you don't know. It's difficult to replicate or make happen if you don't know what you're trying to do. So here's the first ingredient of romance. It's meeting an unspoken need or desire in your spouse. If I have to keep saying it, that's not romance. What makes it romantic is you're studying me. See, that's what happens when you're dating. When you go on your first several dates, you're just intensely studying each other and you're trying to find out what they like and what they don't like so that you can do it so that they'll like you. That's what makes you fall in love. And so what women like is for men to initiate stuff, but women like for their husbands to initiate you know, romance. And uh, Karen and I would be going out to eat and I'll say, Karen, what do you wanna eat? she'll say, no, I want you to think of something, Jimmy. I want you to, it's romantic when you think of something. And so I'll think all day long and finally think about something. I'll say, okay, we're going here. And she'll say, I don't want to go there. <laughs> all the time, all, anybody else, any other men in here? All the time, all the time. Well, let me say that your idea has a short life expectancy, <laughs> but it just meant a lot that you came up with something. <laughs> and so here's what romance says, you're on my heart. I'm thinking about you when I don't have to. When you send flowers or a card or you do something special for your spouse that they didn't ask for, now if they have to ask, there's nothing wrong sometimes with asking your spouse to do something, you have to do that. But if I have to keep telling you what my needs are, if I have to keep telling you, it just means you're not paying attention, which means you don't care. Here's the core issue of romance and it's desire. You desire me. I like that, that's why we fell in love is you made me feel like you desired me. So there's two reasons that we fall in love with someone. This is very important, two reasons. The first reason we fall in love with someone is there's something about you I like, that I admire. The second reason that we fall in love is I like the way you make me feel about myself. You never fall in love with a person who makes you feel bad about yourself. And a person who ignores you and doesn't pay attention to you, and makes you feel unwanted and unattractive. You, you just not only do you not fall in love with it. If you did fall in love with it, and they quit doing that, it, you lose the dynamic love that you had before. So, you have you have to meet a need in your spouse. You have to keep studying your spouse. Okay, this here's the second element of romantic love, and it's speaking spouse in your uh, speaking love in your spouse's language. So men and women are both romantic, but we're romantic in different ways, okay? So here are, the, here are the major needs of a man. Let me begin with men. Number one need that men have is respect. We, we just respect is huge for us. This is our mega need. Men are as sensitive in their egos as women are physically. And every woman knows how soft you want your husband to be with you. We're that way emotionally. We, we, just, we need respect and any disrespect is very painful to us. The second is sex. Now, there are about 20% of women who are more sexual than their husbands, okay? But most men are more sexual than their wives. So the issue of matching libido, if you only have sex when you both want it at the same time, well, you're going to have it six or eight times, you know, for the rest of your lives. And So sex is not based on matching libido. Sex is based on, I married you and I'm committed to meeting your needs, If your wife needs sex and you don't, you give your wife sex. If your husband needs sex and you don't, you give your sex. That doesn't mean every single time, but it means we have to come out of our world into our spouse's world in order to be romantic. But men need sex. Number three, men is we want friendship with our wives. We want you to be our buddy. We don't want to be mother. You know, we want you to be our buddy. And number four is domestic support. And that doesn't mean that women do all the housework. It just means that you're domestically centered. Even if you work outside the home, you're domestically centered because women have a gift of nesting. You know, if you see a man, if you see a man that's single, his bed has a sheet, a blanket, and a pillow. <laughs> well, women, that's just that doesn't even matter. She just started. And so women nest, women are wonderful nesters, and so that's what we want. Women's security is their number one need. They want to feel as though that their husband is tuned into them. Uh, that he's sacrificial; that he will sacrificially meet her needs. Nothing makes a woman feel more secure than a selfless, sacrificial man. Nothing makes a woman feel more insecure than a selfish, detached man. And so, making her feel secure is number one. Number two is open and honest communication. She wants you to talk. She wants you to cough it up. She wants detailed answers. She don't want what one-word answers, and she wants emotions with it. And this is hard for a lot of men, but let me tell you a little trick I learned a long time ago. When you're talking to your wife and she wants some emotion, just get a nail and hold it in this hand and just kind of hide it. And every now and then just poke yourself. Oh, good. They love that. They love it. Sometimes you need a little bit of help. Oh, no, yeah, I did, I do remember that. <laughs> So they need open and honest communication. They want non-sexual affection. There's not a cell in a man's brain that can get that one. (laughs) They want to be held. They don't want sex, they just want to be held. The man's thinking, oh yeah, she wants me, who can blame her? You know. But she wants, it makes her feel connected to you, and it makes her feel valued for something other than sex, and she wants leadership. She doesn't want to be dominated, but she wants you to be the loving initiator of the kids, the finances, the romance, the spirituality of the relationship, and things like that. So those are, our, those are our different needs. So romance means going into your spouse's world and meeting their needs. Now listen, great marriages are emotionally bilingual. In a great marriage, the husband speaks woman and the woman speaks man. I have a friend of mine who lived in Central America. He's a missionary down there for many years. And I was with him down there one day in Panama and we were just driving around and he'd been living down there 30 or 40 years and I asked him this question. I said, do you think in English or Spanish? And he looked at me and he said, what'd you just say to me? I said, do you think in English or do you think in Spanish? And he said, I don't know. The next day he said, Spanish. Let me tell you something. I've been married so long, I think woman. I know what that sister wants. So, if you're going to be romantic, you can't speak. It's not a a lesson, it's a demonstration. See, a lot of people try to be romantic. It's like, I want want to teach you about sex. I want you to enjoy sex. You come over here, I want to teach you. I want you to talk. I want you to learn how to talk. I want you to learn how to talk about you. And so we're trying to give each other a lesson. That's not romance. Romance is going into your spouse's world and speaking their language according to their needs. A man says, honey, I just, listen, just, could we just talk tonight? I just have a lot of feelings to process. And I just want to talk to my best friend. I've been feeling a little insecure lately. And she said, really? And could we just hold each other and no sex, no sex. And I really just feel like I've been watching too much sports lately. Could we watch a romantic comedy? And something with not a lot of action, because I'm just kind of feeling tender. I just need to hear I just need to hear a lot of conversations, especially women talking. And a lot of guys are just going, uh oh, uh oh. That's romance. Romance is not you speaking your language, romance is you speaking their language. Number three, communicating unique value to your spouse or unique priority to your spouse. Romance, there's only one person that deserves romance in our lives, that's our spouse. Not anybody else. It's just, it's for one person. And what I'm saying when I'm being romantic is, I'm telling you, you have a place in my life nobody else has. That's what I'm saying. So, how do you do that? Okay, first of all, through consistency. It has to be consistent, not when you're in trouble, not seasonally, but you're consistently saying to them, you have a place in my life that nobody else has. Okay. Another way is it, you, you communicate it in different ways. Verbally, by the way you talk to your spouse, but making them feel very special and valuable. Uh, comparatively, what I'm willing to give up for you, every time you give something up for your spouse, you're communicating value to them. I'm willing to give up, I hung up my golf clubs and it saved our marriage. Uh, we, Karen and I have both sacrificed for each other for the sake of our marriage. But if I'm not willing to give something up for you, and what Jesus is saying to the Church of Ephesus is, you're gonna have to give something up. Okay, um, giving and generosity, especially you know, energetically and with a good attitude. Creatively, uh, let me, my Uncle Charles died uh, probably about 20 years ago or so, and he and my Aunt Peggy were married for 40 years. And my, uh, when I was doing his funeral, uh, I was talking to my Aunt Peggy, and here's what she said, and they had a great marriage by the way. And she said, your uncle Charles wrote me a new poem every day for 40 years and left it on the dining table when he went to work. Now you think of the mental energy that it took to sit down and write a new poem. You know, roses are red. How, how many times can you massage that thing around, you know? <laughs> and, but, it's, but it's the energy, it's the creativity, it's the consistency of saying there's nobody like you. I'm not giving you what I give everybody at work. I'm not giving you what I give the kids. I'm not Because you're not like them, you're special. And so romance is communicating a special place. I'm doing this for you but not anybody else. And here's the last one and it's empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. And this is one of the abilities that God has given us. And Now Karen, this is her number one strength on strength finders is empathy. Now, I, I promise this is true. Karen can sit in a room and she can tell you how everybody's feeling. She tells me how I'm feeling. She said, well, you know, did that bother you? No, she said, yeah, it did. I did, did not, yeah, it really did, Jimmy. You're bothered, you just don't know yet. It's like, well, that, I think that's a boundary violation, you know? But she's always right. You know, next day I'll wake up mad thinking that really did bother me, you know? But empathy is, I can look at another person and project over and say, I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder how my words are making them feel. I wonder what it would be like to be married to me. And I can project, we're the only people, we're the, animals can't do that, only people can. It's, it's something that God put in us. Here are the 12 phases of instinctive romantic love. This is how you fall in and out of love. These are the phases that we go through. Number one is awareness, I become aware of you. Second is interest. The third is a positive exchange. We have some type of a positive exchange. The fourth is romantic interest. Now I'm romantically interested. Number five is high emotional focus. We become very emotionally focused. Number six, positive romantic exchange. Number seven, strong feelings of love and passion. Number eight, deepening relational bonds. Number nine, normalcy. Number 10, reality, conflict, difficulty, fatigue, illness. Number 11, distraction and disinterest. And number 12, loss of romance. Is when you are focused, there's high emotional focus. Everything is going like this. This is what Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus. You just don't have your eye on the ball anymore. I don't know where your focus is, but it's obviously not on me. And because of that, you're losing your passion. When your empathy means... You're, 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 my, you're on my heart. Let me read one scripture too and I'll close. This is Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable among, among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so it is saying here that in marriage, you're gonna have struggles. And when you have struggles, don't go shopping. Because when the Bible tells us not to covet in the Old Testament, it tells us not to covet our neighbor's wife. He's saying, when you're having struggles in your marriage, don't, stop, don't start comparing, okay? Because here's what he says, because God himself has said to you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Okay. So, so what God is saying is this, do you think that I couldn't get a better than you? Do you think that you don't disappoint me and that I couldn't swap you in for a better model. But in response to your issues, here's what God says. I will never ever physically leave you and I will never turn my heart away from you. The word leave means desert. The word forsake means turn your heart away. Whenever you turn your heart away from your marriage through offenses, through temptation, through distraction or whatever, that's game, set and match and the commitment that keeps the commitment that keeps our relationship with Christ alive is the commitment that says Jesus you have my heart and I'll never give this place in my heart to anybody or anything else you deserve first place you're my first love and I'm never going to give your place to any person any pursuit anything like that that's what he wants he wants our heart it's a hard issue and what God says to us is, this is covenant. What God says to us is, I'll never, on the worst day of your life, when you've done the worst thing that you'll ever do, I will not turn away. I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, it's phenomenal. And that's what he's, I want you to do that to each other. This is the context of Hebrews 13. See, if, you're, if, you're, if you, you fell in love being romantic, period, you did. It was instinctive. You really didn't know what you were doing, you just did it. But maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you have a good marriage, but maybe you've lost your first love, the passion that you once had. And what I'm saying is you can get it back, but it's a hard issue. It's an issue of your heart. It's an issue of focusing on each other and never giving anybody else the place that your spouse has. That you meet unspoken needs and desires because you want to, not because you have to. You're studying each other. You're speaking love in your spouse's language. This is an interesting thing. Did you know that the more emotional a man becomes, the more sexual a woman becomes? And did you know that the more sexual a woman becomes, the more emotional a man becomes? Why did God make it that like that? I mean, you know, sometimes we we'll say, "Lord, why'd you do that?" You know why the Lord did it that way? So selfish people couldn't succeed in marriage. You know why God put giants in the Promised Land? You know, God took the Jews out of Israel and took them to the promised land and they get there and there's 10 feet tall people in there, scaring them to death. You know why there were giants in the promised land? To ensure the fact that only people of faith could have the promised land. And God made marriage to only people of Christ-like character can succeed. And if all you care about is yourself, you'll never have a good marriage because marriage is just brutal on selfish people. But if you'll come out of your world and go into your spouse's world, And begin to communicate special value to them and pay attention to them. Be empathetic to them. Turn your heart toward them and think regularly. I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder how my words are making them feel. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder how I could help them. That's how you fell in love and that's how you fall back in love. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast.